0: This one is taken from uh, Psalm, the 19th chapter. And in these few verses that I'm going to be reading, it's amazing to me that David is saying that, um, first of all, he's talking about God's creation, and then he talks about his own sinfulness, and then he talks about forgiveness. So in just these few verses, that's what we're going to get out of it. Psalm 19. The heaven declares the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression." May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
1: Thank you, Norma. That's a good passage to prepare us to receive God's word. And uh, we will be looking at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. We're returning to Proverbs, as we've done at the beginning of uh, each year for the last several years. Uh, Actually, I could tell you when we began uh, the first year that we did this was 2015, so we've done this for a couple of years. Uh, as I mentioned before, as we close out one year and we head into another one, it's a natural juncture for people to evaluate their lives, and so people look back and they see how they might adjust moving forward, and they make resolutions. Some of you may have made New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you're the New Year's resolutioning type or not, um, but I always like to look up they do different polls and they ask people what their resolutions are. And I always, I am curious to see from year to year what they are. So I have the top 10 2017 resolutions for you before we pray and we receive God's word. So number 10, they go in, in order. Number one would be the most commonly held resolution. Number 10 is to enjoy life. Makes sense. Number nine, increase family time. Number eight, get a better job. Number seven, stop smoking. Number six, eat healthier. Number five, improve health. Number four, spend less and save more. Number three, exercise more. Number two, lose weight. And number one this year, and this is different from previous years, be a better person. And that all, these are all pretty good. You know, these are good. Things to aspire toward. Some of them are a little vague. Uh, Generally, they're pretty good. Even though be a better person is the number one, if you combined all the health ones, that would definitely outshine that one. But they were split up between eating well, losing weight, exercising, improving health. These are just the practical matters of living. How are you going to eat? What decisions are you going to make when you go eat lunch today? How are you going to spend your money this week? Just practical everyday matters. And one reason that we return to Proverbs to start our year is because it's a good reminder that God cares about these things. God cares about all the things I just listed out. He cares about the practical matters of everyday life. Now, I know sometimes when you come to church and you hear sermons, it can seem a little bit lofty. And then you go from here and you're in the trenches of your everyday life and you're having to make all these Decisions, large and small, and it can seem as if the things of God are far afield from the things of everyday life, and it's just not so at all. All that theology comes to bear on every decision that you're going to make today and this week. And Proverbs is one of the most concentrated and clearest sources of instruction and advice about practical everyday matters. So as we, as Christians, begin a new year and are evaluating the practical matters of our lives— I think it's really helpful to let Proverbs calibrate our thinking about it. And so here we are, back to Proverbs, seeing how God cares about our decisions about our money and our work and our health and our relationships. It's been said that Proverbs, because it's so practical, that it's God's word with work clothes on. And I like that. I think that captures it pretty well. I remember one day, I think it was Will Boston came to talk to me. I was at the parsonage. He pulled up in his truck to the parsonage to come and ask me something or talk to me about something. And I was outside doing yard work. And so I had on dirty work clothes and work gloves and work boots. And he was really confused by this because he had only seen me like this. And I I think he actually commented. He said, I didn't know you had boots. (laughs) I didn't know you would own work gloves. Like it just didn't seem to fit. It didn't seem normal for something associated with preaching and 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 God to be down in the dirt and practical everyday issues of work. Uh, Stephen Carpenter said something similar. We got together and had a meal with Stephen and Krista, and as they pulled up, they told us later that Stephen asked Krista, do you think Pastor Matt mows his yard? I can't picture Pastor Matt mowing his yard. I do. I'm normal like you, and Proverbs is this same realization. When you read it, you realize, oh, God cares. He has spoken down to these work glove issues. He has spoken down to these everyday dirt, grime, living issues. It's so practical. It's so helpful. It's really one of my very favorite books in the Bible. It was my my absolute favorite book of the Bible when I was a kid, when I was Elias's age, because it's extremely understandable. And it's broken into, most of it's broken in into just little statements of wisdom. And you can just take it and put it in your back pocket and, and chew on it all day and live accordingly. And it's immediately applicable. You can use this immediately when you walk out of here. So we're going to spend a few weeks looking at Proverbs. And today is, is really just an invitation. Today is just an invitation for us to listen to the book of Proverbs. Now, um, I'd like for us to pray before we read it, because it's still God's word. It's still a miraculous thing when we receive God's voice through his word. So let's pray together, and we'll read these two verses. Father, first we humble ourselves, and we acknowledge that we need to hear from you. We need your word. We don't know, we don't have in of ourselves the wisdom That we need to live well in this world that you have created. Sin has so disrupted the order of our lives and our hearts and our desires and our thinking and our decisions. And we need you to reset us. So we come humbly and we confess that apart from the grace of Jesus Christ and giving us new hearts and new lives, we wouldn't be able to live according to this wisdom. But now that we have these things, I ask that you would help us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds today and be able to live in light of these things we're going to hear. So please speak to us. Please give us receptive hearts. And let these few moments be uh, a powerful transaction between you and us. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It begins with, My son. And that's how we really should receive these Proverbs throughout this month and perhaps into next month. It's like taking a walk with your father, who is very, very wise, and listening to his instruction, his advice, his tips about life. Only God is wiser than any father that any of us have ever had because he created all this. So, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Ultimately, what we have in our passage today is a decision to make. We're given two choices and we're urged to take the latter. Don't forget my teaching but let your heart keep my commandments. So we need to ask ourselves at the outset, before we even begin to study Proverbs, are we going to forget his teaching or are we going to, going to let our hearts keep his commandments? And the decision is really ours to make. You know, one of the greatest and scariest aspects of Christianity is the, the complete freedom of it. You know that you are free to forget everything you hear from this sermon. And you are free to let your heart keep it. The decision is yours. I can't force you. If I were to ask you when you walked in, who has the greater responsibility this morning? Me in the pulpit or you in the pew? I'll bet most of us would have said, well, Pastor Matt has the greater responsibility. He's in the pulpit. And there's ways of looking at it in which that might be true, but you have a great responsibility in the pew because you are hearing God's word. And by hearing it, you are made responsible for what you do with it. You will either forget it or you will let your heart keep it. And the decision is yours. We tend to think, if the pastor is eloquent enough, then I'll hear it. If he's not eloquent enough, then I won't. If the pastor is able to phrase it in a memorable enough way, then I'll remember it. But if he fails to do so, then I'm not going to remember it. If the pastor's entertaining enough, then I'll attend to God's word and I'll receive it. Otherwise, I'm not. Now, I want to be all those things to the best of my ability, but ultimately, I am just like a delivery guy. Ultimately, I have a package, and I'm delivering it to you. And this is what happens every Sunday. And my responsibility, you know, I want to do it as, the best way I can. I don't want to be boring, believe it or not. I don't want to cause your eyelids to sag and heaviness. I want to do it in the best way possible, but really, ultimately, what I'm going to answer for is, did I give you the package intact faithfully without changing it or distorting it or damaging it? You know, when your UPS guy comes to deliver a package, ultimately, it's great if he does it with some sort of flair, if he does like some sort of a choreographed dance and hands it to you, that would be... A really amazing thing. But ultimately, you just want your package. And that's his job. And when it comes down to it, that's what this is. You know, in America, we've got an entertainment culture. We love to be entertained. We expect to be entertained. But that's not what any of this is. This is, I am a humble delivery boy. Paul was a humble delivery boy. That's what he said. He, he said, I didn't come to you in eloquence. I just came to you with the simple package, the gospel, the simple God's word. And that's what we have here. And so I'm handing it to you. And as we study Proverbs, I'm going to do my very best to deliver this package carefully and intact. But what you do with it will be your responsibility. If you take it and open it up and use it and apply it to your life, great. That's letting your heart keep God's commandments. If you forget it, if you set it to the side, never look at it again, never open it, forget all about it and you've made the wrong decision. Will you forget, or will you let your heart keep God's teachings and commandments? I urge you, as this passage does, do not forget this teaching, but let your heart keep this teaching. Now, We're told what the results will be from this in verse 2. If we'll do this, if we'll let our heart keep these commandments, these teachings, this instruction, length of days and years of life and peace, length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Long, peaceful lives. That's quite a promise. That's pretty much what everybody was after with their New Year's resolutions that we read. Long, peaceful lives. Well, here we have God telling us how we can very likely access, long, peaceful lives. That word for peace is shalom, which is packed with meaning and significance. If you read through the, New, the Old Testament, it means peace, but it, it, it carries a lot of weight, and it, it has the idea of wholeness. It's the peace that you have when things are whole and complete and put together as they ought to be. You know, one of the Jewish resources I was reading was explaining why the idea of shalom is so important. And it goes back to creation. God created everything good. And everything was working together in harmony, and it was good. When sin entered, it fractured everything. And suddenly, Adam and Eve, their relationship was fractured. It wasn't whole anymore, it was disjointed, shattered. Their relationship with God was disjointed and shattered. And their relationship with creation was disjointed and shattered. Work became hard and painful, childbirth became hard and painful, marriage became hard and painful. Worship of the one true God became elusive. All this is the opposite of shalom. And this Jewish resource I was reading, and I need to give this more thought before I say it as fact, but it's compelling. He was arguing that where we tend to think that the opposite of evil is good, from the biblical worldview, the opposite of evil is actually shalom, peace. The putting back together of all things that were broken the making whole everything that was fractured and shattered. Now, again, we need to think through that before we just accept it, but it is a compelling thought. There actually is a proverb that does directly put them as opposites, evil and peace, using the word shalom. There may be something to that. But ultimately, this wholeness is a big part of what every human is after in life. And here we have this principle given to us of how we can access it, how we can live that way. Long shalom lives, long peaceful lives, long lives of wholeness, completeness. Do any of you remember when you were kids? Any of you who are kids? My kids are the only kids here. Elias and Lillian, have y'all ever seen Choose Your Own Adventure books? Did anybody read those? Choose Your Own Adventure books? Not really? Lillian, no? Oh, man. We've got to update our church library. These were great books as a kid because you would get to the end of, say, chapter one, and then it would say, one I remember very clearly was uh, an off-road racing book. And, you know, the first chapter told the story of the first leg of the race, and then at the end it said, okay, if you would take the fork to the right, turn to page 59. If you would take the fork to the left, turn to page 68. And so you chose which direction the story would go. If you chose one, you, then you would read that chapter, and that would be the ending of the book. And then, of course, you'd go back and you'd be curious, well, what would have happened if I had chose the other way? Ultimately, that's what's given to us here. It's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure proposition. You can choose the way of forgetting what we're going to hear in Proverbs, or you can choose the way of letting your heart keep what we're going to hear in Proverbs. And we're told, we're given a glimpse down what is down this road and its longevity and its Life and its peace and wholeness. Now, we're not told what's down this road, but I think by implication we can assume, since it's the opposite path, that it's the opposite of what's down this road. So, shortened, frustrating, fractured lives characterized by lack of peace. And the choice is ours. will we choose the path that leads to wholeness or will we choose the path that leads to brokenness? Now, we see this brokenness all the time as a deacon board. When we're called upon to help people in financial need and when we begin to get to know people and understand their situations of why they're in financial need, very, very often, almost universally, what's beneath the financial need is a tangled up mess of brokenness. People who are not in good, open relationship with God through Jesus Christ. People who are not in good, open relationship with the people in their lives through the humility and grace that we find in Jesus Christ. And people who are not in a good, open relationship with creation and work because it's compromised and fractured. And so as we begin to try to truly help, we have to begin to use the gospel and address Why is your relationship with God broken? Why is your relationship with your brothers and sisters broken? They live in town. Why can't you go to them? Well, because I'm never going to talk to them again because they did this or they did that. Or they're not going to talk to me again because I did this or I did that. So much of the trouble in our lives comes from this fractured issue of living in this sinful world. And here we have a path toward wholeness. And it's very practical, this wholeness. And I'll give you one example. If you keep reading in verse 3 and 4, I think it's immediately an example of what this could look like. It's not going to be projected, but I'll read it to you. It says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So here the proposition is, if we won't forget this teaching, if we will let our hearts keep it, if we will make steadfast love and faithfulness central characteristics of our lives, then generally speaking, we will find favor and success, both with God and man. And knowing Proverbs, I can guarantee you that the kind of favor and success he's talking about is just real-life practical favor and success. It's getting the job. It's Getting the promotion, it's having friendships, it's people thinking well of you, having good reputation. Now, it's important to keep in mind, and I have to remind you of this every year, and I'll remind you in, in every sermon, that Proverbs is a book of principles, not promises. So what Proverbs is telling us is generally, in God's world, the way he designed it, this is how things work. If you're loving, if love is a central characteristic of yourself, generally in God's design, you will find favor and good success with God and man. Now, it's not a promise like when God says, uh, like what we read at the beginning, that that he is for us. That's a promise, and we can bank on that every time. Even if you're loving, you'll no doubt encounter situations in which people don't favor you. But generally speaking, these things are true. And everything we're going to study, generally speaking, these principles will hold true. There's other examples I could give going right on in this chapter. Uh, If we will make faith and humility central to our characters, generally speaking, we can count on having clear direction from God and even physical well-being. Whereas if we are not trusting in the Lord and proud, we can generally count on getting lost in this life and even suffering physical illness. Down a little further, generally speaking, if we will honor the Lord with our wealth, In terms of material blessing, things will go better for us. Now, it doesn't mean that we're all going to be rich if we honor the Lord with our wealth. Jesus wasn't rich, but generally speaking, this is how God's design works. So as we read through these things, it'll be very practical, and we'll have decisions to make immediately after church as to whether we're going to forget or let our heart keep the things we're going to see. The consequences for forgetting add up. The consequences for Folly for forgetting God's wisdom accumulate and add up. It's like your house will just get messier and messier if you don't purposefully keep it tidy and put things where they go. Our lives will just get messier and messier if we live ignoring what God has instructed us here. So we have an awesome opportunity as we begin this year. My son, do not let my teaching... I'm sorry, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments... For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. In our decisions, let's not forget what we've heard from God's word. Let's let our heart keep what we've heard from God's word. May we have long, peaceful lives rather than lives of frustrating disjointedness. As we embark on our study of Proverbs, I pray that we'll listen, that we'll take it to heart, and that we'll apply it. Immediately, after church on Sunday and all week long. Let's pray for that. Father, thank you for your word. And I'm really excited about what you're going to show us in the weeks to come. And I pray that you would prepare our hearts now and make them receptive. Help us not to forget what we hear, but help us to let our hearts keep what we hear. May we live in light of your word. May we live in light of the good news of Jesus Christ that we're forgiven and reconciled to you and able to live this way. In Jesus' name, amen.